0: Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, My name's Obed, if you're new. My name's Obed, and I'm one of the leaders here at King's Cross Church. And thank you for coming. Last Sunday, we started um, a series in the book of um, Ecclesiastes, Hebrews. Gosh, Hebrews. And um, we started our study by just reading the entire book of Hebrews. And so this morning, what we're going to do is go back from the beginning, and we're going to start um verse by verse chapter by chapter in the coming several months coming several months that was weird but anyway um, grab your bibles turn to the book of hebrews and we'll get right at it the letter to the hebrews the letter to the hebrews and as always as is our tradition may you please stand for the reading of god's word This morning, our focus will be on Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And it reads, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is a radiance of the glory of God, And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time and thank you for this space. We have gathered this morning not for ourselves, but we have gathered in order to encounter you. God, thank you for singing and music Um, that helps us engage with you. So God, as we um, explore your word um, and as I preach and as we hear and listen, God, your word is alive is active. So God, we come to this part of the service with great expectations, because your word is what you have spoken. And God, so as we listen, we are hearing from you. And so God, may we hear beyond our natural abilities. May you speak to us supernaturally. May you give us um, the desire and the willingness and the power to live out all that you call us to in jesus name we pray amen have a seat have a seat <clears throat> um, 21 years ago today on september 11 2001 um, i was a college student at merton college in london Um, And I was in the cafeteria having lunch with a few of my pals. Um, I can't remember what I was having for lunch, normally I do. Can't remember what I was wearing, normally I do. Can't remember the conversations we were having um, as college students, but I do remember um, being called by one of our friends um, to gather around a small TV Um, that was in the cafeteria Um, And as we looked at the TV, we were all in shock as we watched footage um, from the terrorist attacks. Nearly 3,000 people, eventually 3,000 people died as a result of this coordinated suicide attack. And that's where I was, but I wonder where you were Um, on September 11, 2001. Where was you? I wonder how you heard about it. I wonder how you reacted um, to the news of these terrorist attacks. And as America and the world processed and discussed and tried to make sense of these attacks, what was interesting about the whole situation was that God became a prominent part of the conversations. And this is likely because whenever tragedies like these occur, people often start to think about and talk about God. And as we, uh, the world, began to think about and um, involve God in these conversations, questions we started to ask questions like this: Where was God? in all of this why did God allow something so evil to happen to good people is God good if he's good why did he allow something like this Um, in the time we have I'm not going to address directly um, these questions But what I want to do is focus on a related question. And that question is, does God exist? And if he does exist, what is he like? According to the Bible, and we're Bible-believing Christians, most of us here, According to the Bible, God does exist. He is good. And he is not just the creator of the universe, but he's intimately involved in his creation. On September 11, 2001, God was exactly where he's always been. He was in complete control of everything that was happening. And so our passage for today, like I said, doesn't address this directly, but it addresses um, the topic of God and his existence. And it mainly focuses on how God has revealed himself and who he's like, okay? And so this morning, we're going to discuss how God, all right, the God of creation, the God of the universe, has revealed himself and what he's like. And so if you're making notes, the first point is God has revealed himself by his prophets, by his prophets, The Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews begins with these words. Long ago, look at verse 1 of chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The phrase long ago refers to the time period of the Old Testament. It spans from the beginning of time when God created the universe to when Jesus Christ was born. Okay, and so whenever, that long ago, the context is, it's the period of time before the birth of Christ, B.C. And I know we don't use B.C. anymore. It's B.C.E. now, right? But moving on. At that time, all right, the author who wrote this letter to the Hebrews is reminding us, that at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. According to Christianity, God is the creator and sustainer of the universe. In other words, God not only created, but also sustains all of creation. This means that God is not distant or disengaged from his creation but he's intimately involved with everything he made. And as a result, this is cool, all right? As a result, right, of God being intimately involved in His creation, what that means is that us humans can actually have a relationship with God. This means you and I and the person sitting next to you can interact with God the same way you interact with other human beings. You can speak to God and He speaks back to you. The God of the Bible is not mute or disengaged, but he's intimately involved with his creation. By definition, um, God is a God who speaks. He's not like the man made gods in temples who are impassive in statues incapable of speaking. The God of the Bible, the God Christianity loves and serves. is the God of creation who speaks and engages with his people. He's a God we not only get to speak to in prayer, but he's a God who speaks to us. And so, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God did what he's always done, and that is to what? Speak. Who did God speak to? Look at verse 1 again. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to who? Our fathers. What does this refer to? This expression, our fathers, refers here in this concept mainly to the um, people of Israel. Okay? Okay. And so in the past, God spoke to his people, the Jewish people. And so the next question is how did God speak to his people in those days? In long ago, okay? Let's read that verse again. Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fa- fathers by who? Dep- I can't hear you. By who? Dep- Thank you. During Old Testament times, God spoke through intermediaries also known as prophets um, In one of his writings the apostle Peter um, had this to say about the prophets in the old testament second Peter chapter 1 verse 21 reads no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from God What is this telling us? This is telling us that for centuries before the letter of Hebrews was written, a long line of prophets spoke and wrote God's words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The prophets were God's mouthpieces um, who spoke on his behalf. They were God's representatives and spokesperson, and they said and did and wrote whatever God told them to. Moses, Noah, Isaiah, um, Amos, etc. were all prophets through whom God spoke to his people. And they used all kinds of um, um, deep ways to communicate to um, to um to communicate these prophets they used parables um historical narratives prophetic confrontations dramatic presentations psalms proverbs and so many other literary devices to communicate god's message to his people and so in those days whenever god wanted to speak to his people he did so through who thank you that was better Charles Swindor says, like an instrument played in the hands of a master musician, the prophet com- conveyed the notes God wanted to communicate. And the interesting thing is the interaction, the way God spoke to his people, wasn't just through prophets. Okay. And God spoke to his people at many times and what is they in many ways. And so God spoke in a variety of ways. In the Old Testament, he spoke to Moses by a burning bush. You remember that story, all right? When you were young, right? The burning bush, right? He spoke to Elijah by a still small voice. He spoke to Isaiah by a heavenly vision. He spoke to Hosea by his family crisis. He spoke to Amos um, by a basket of fruit. God even spoke to um, Balaam through a donkey. It happened. If you read the book of numbers god spoke to someone through an animal through a donkey and yes god did speak through many means but i would say speaking through prophets was his most consistent method okay And the interesting thing about the message of the prophets, as we think about God speaking through prophets, right? The message of the prophets wasn't just knowing God's will and knowing, kind of, like knowing the guidance, getting the guidance of God, and knowing how God wanted them to live. But if you look at um, um, the Old Testament and a lot of what has been, what was said. By prophets on behalf of God, you'll realize that a lot of the content is not just about how his people should live, but it's more and more about who God is. Okay? His character. Um, his attributes, they often talked about who God is. Some examples, Deuteronomy um, chapter 6, verse 45, verse 4, which is famous, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What is that communicating? It's communicating something about God. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 23 reads, um, talking about God, God. God brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. And so most of the time when the prophets spoke on behalf of God, they communicated to the people who God was. God has always been in the business of helping his people know who he is and a long time ago in the period of the in the period of the Old Testament he raised up prophets so that they can help his people understand him. And if you know anything about the prophets of old, you'll know that they were powerful and just passionate speakers. And they faithfully and powerfully shared with God's people the very words of the living God. They were God's instruments through whom he spoke to his people. And yet, and listen to this, pay attention. And yet the author of Hebrews, this is what he's going to do. He's about to reveal to us, that no matter how faithful these prophets were no matter how powerful their messages were they were preliminary words what do I mean by that what they revealed about God was true but it was incomplete Michael Kruger, who's a professor and author, likens this to a play without a final act. Okay, now pay attention. He says this, Michael Kruger says this. If you go to see a five act play and it stops before the fifth act, you are disappointed. Not because there was anything wrong with the first four acts, but because the play hasn't finished yet. It needs an ending. If that doesn't make sense, let me help you. During COVID, one of the things people loved at the beginning of COVID was the fact that they could just kind of wake up out of bed and log in to a meeting or a church gathering right through Zoom. You guys remember that. And I'm sure some of you guys felt the same way. Like this is convenient. I don't have to get up and get changed. I don't have to get in my car and commute. I can just click a few buttons and boom, I'm in the staff meeting. Isn't this convenient? We loved it for a time. But what began to happen was we began to hate it. We began to get Zoom fatigue. And as a result of Zoom fatigue, we were like, we want more. We want in person. We want to be with people. Devices suck. Never want to go on Zoom again. I want to be with people. My, my family and I were in the UK when COVID was going on and we were part of, you know, King's Cross and we were meeting on Zoom. And as we met on Zoom as a church, there was just a desire for us to start gathering in person. And so when we started to gather in person, we were just like, wow, this is amazing. What the Old Testament prophets revealed about God was all true, but it was incomplete. It was like communicating via Zoom, the internet through emails, and all of those FaceTime things. All those methods of communication are helpful, but they come with limitations. They'll never be a worthy substitute for in-person, face-to-face communication. Are you guys tracking with me? All right. And so God's desire, listen to this, God's desire in the Old Testament was always to help his people get a fuller knowledge of who he is For his people to know him more deeply, for his people to know him beyond what the prophets revealed about him. And so as God was speaking to his people by the prophets in the Old Testament, God was at the same time working towards speaking to them and communicating to them in person. God was at work behind the scenes to reveal who he is in person. And the writer of Hebrews is about to show us how God actually accomplished this. And so if you're making notes, we've seen that God has revealed himself through his prophets. Next, we're going to see how God has revealed himself through his son. Look at the first part of verse 2. It says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Okay? Long ago, God spoke to his, the Father, to his people through the prophets. Here he's saying, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. What does he mean by last days? All right? Is it some sort of apocalyptic time or um, what actually is it? In this context... Last days is the period of time after Old Testament times, right? So you could say we are currently living in the last days. And in these last days, what has happened? God has spoken to us by His Son. God, the Creator of the universe, has spoken to us by His Son. During Old Testament times, God spoke to His people through prophets, and now He's speaking through His Son. And so the question is, who is God's Son? And I ask that question with a smirk, because I know most of you know who the Son is. But I think the most important, the reason why I'm asking it, and the reason why Hebrews explores who Jesus actually is, is because over and over again, we need a reminder of who Jesus is. And we need to be reminded that Jesus wasn't just this prophet, carpenter, preacher who gained a following, but Jesus is actually God. In human flesh. How do we know this? Uh, the author of Hebrews. What he does next in in the rest of verse two and verse three and four um, is that he begins to unpack who the son is, who Jesus Christ is. And these verses kind of serve as his resume. They're all about who who the son is and what he's done. And the interesting thing about this is that um, he's described in seven ways. And these seven different descriptions of the son are drawn from Old Testament passages or images or ideas. And that's the awesome thing about Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, but it's rooted deeply in the Old. I love that. And I get excited about things like that. I hope you do. Moving on. All right. First, who is the son? First, we find out that the son of God has been appointed the heir of all things. He's not just the heir of all things, but he's also the one through whom the whole world was created. Put simply, the world was created through the Son of God. Last night, my wife informed me of something awesome. A friend of mine I knew in LA, it's a friend of mine, just led the design for the Hennessy Venom F5. Some of you are like, what is that? okay, the, the Hennessy Venom F5 is going to be one of the fastest, right, cars, like on planet earth, like sports cars, crazy, okay, it's going to cost three million, okay, so if you've got three million, plan to buy one, and you know, I don't know who's here, I don't know, and, right, they are only 30, how gonna be made, 30, and my good friend, right, he actually led the design. And so if you go on the website, you see him standing in front of one of these cars and talking about it. I was watching that going, my goodness, that car is awesome, but I am so glad I know Nathan. <laughs> his name's Nathan. I'm so glad I know him. I am so proud of him. I cannot believe like this car is like his brainchild. He designed this car. I was amazed by that, and I was amazed by his gift and his skills. But it just got me thinking about like the son of God and how he created the entire universe. It's crazy just look around okay look around in this room all the different people all the diversity you look out the window and you see plants ocean, sky clouds and then i mean this is not it the world is a big place and then you zoom out to the universe and you're like this is crazy our minds cannot comprehend all that has been created and to think that the son of god is the creator behind all that we see, feel and hear. Unbelievable. Third, the Son of God is the radiance of the glory of God. So if you know any of your Old Testament, when humans um, came face to face with God, they would consistently describe his appearance as an overwhelming brightness and, con- and splendor. And so for the sun to be described as the radiance of the glory of God means that when we look at the sun, we see most fully the glory of God. Next, the sun is also described as the exact imprint of God's nature, of his nature. All right? um, the word imprint can be translated stamp. It was used to describe the exact imprint of a king or emperor on a coin or a seal. And so, what the writer of Hebrews wants us to know is that if you have seen the Son, if you have seen Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you have seen God. In other words, the Son, as Arkane Hughes says, is completely the same in his being as the Father. Also, it says the Son also upholds the universe by the word of his power. Yesterday, my family and I went to a Greek festival in Encinitas. It was a lovely time. We were eating and drinking and dancing, and it was an amazing time. And when I was there, I was thinking of the Greek gods, Greek mythology. And it got me thinking about um, um, the Atlas, the Atlas god. And if you don't know him, you'll know him when I explain that in most of the artwork dedicated to him, he's the one holding the globe. Okay? He's that guy holding the globe, all ripped, all muscle, and he's holding the world on his shoulders. And if you look carefully at the picture, you can see that he's struggling to do it. And the reason why he's struggling to hold the world up is because um, that was punishment from Zeus. He did something weird and bad to Zeus. And as punishment, he was um, he was imprisoned to hold the world on his shoulders. And so it got me thinking about the Son of God and how the Son of God upholds the universe. And the interesting thing about the Son of God is he's not just holding the earth, he's holding the universe, and he's doing it effortlessly. What does the verse tell us? It says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power with his word the son Jesus Christ of Nazareth is upholding the universe by his word ah! <laughs> lastly it said of the son that um, look at the rest of verse 3 after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high verse 4 having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs in the ancient world to be seated at someone's right hand is to be in a place of favor and authority and so for the son to be seated at the right hand of the majesty on high basically means he is above all powers and has complete authority over the universe and so what's this telling us about Jesus Christ of Nazareth this is telling us that Jesus is the heir of all things He's the creator of the universe. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the expression of God's nature. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's the purifier of God's people and the one with complete authority over the universe. And so, who is the Son? Jesus is the Son. And I know that most of you know that he's the son of God. But did you know that that same Jesus that was born in a manger thousands of years ago walked? with sandals on the earth began to tell people about the kingdom of God and eventually revealed to people that He was God in human flesh. That same Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe this? Do you live in light of this? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just your is he your homeboy? Your buddy? Your friend? That is just there for you to just, you know, hey Jesus, what's up? Like, who is Jesus to you? Look, most people agree, okay, whether you are a Christian or an atheist, most people agree that Jesus was truly a man who lived in Israel, okay? Like when we think about it, like we there's a lot of Caesar and Caesar Nero and all of those guys. And when we think about history and historical figures, um like like we don't doubt that they existed. They did. They were in history, and Jesus is the same. Nobody doubts that he existed and he lived. But what most people disagree when it comes to Jesus, where the disagreement is is his true identity. Almost every major religion teaches that Jesus was a prophet or a good teacher or just a godly man. But as we've seen, not just here, but if you've read your Bible over and over again, the Bible um, tells us that Jesus was more than a prophet, a good teacher or a godly man. And that Jesus is the son of God who was God in human flesh. I love what Thomas Wright says. He says, look at Jesus and it's like looking in a mirror at God himself. C.S. Lewis, the British author behind the Chronicles of Narnia, you guys know Mere Christianity, he presents this challenge. He says, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a porched egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse you can shut him up for a fool you can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him lord and god but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher he has not left that open to us he did not intend to And so who is Jesus to you? Do you have an accurate vision, perspective on who Jesus is? Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians in the first century who were discouraged because they had lost many acquaintances and relatives as a result of converting to Christianity. And as they did their best to endure these times of persecution and difficulty, they were tempted to give up on Jesus and return to their previous lives without Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews is writing to them to give them reasons to remain committed to Jesus. And this letter is not just for the Jewish Christians in the first century. It's for us. It's addressed to us as well. And in a room of this size, I know for sure there are individuals who have been pressured to disown Jesus in order to go back to living life without jesus and so this letter and the main reason is to exhort you to remain committed to jesus why because jesus is enough jesus christ is everything to you and in particular jesus christ is superior to everything to which you might turn Seeing and savoring the greatness of Jesus Christ is what will enable you to overcome the many challenges of life. The reason we should be in awe of Jesus is because he's he's not someone that did some, some good things. Right? He's not he's not this guy that said a few awesome things that we could we're tweeting now to this day. No, Jesus was God and is God and he is on his throne. Currently upholding the universe by his power, and he's going to return in order to bring about his reign and his rule here on this earth. And so, while we wait for him, let's not just view him as some dude, let's worship him for who he truly is. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he is the ruler and reigner of the universe. Absolutely is. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I became a Christian by reading about Jesus. I read the Gospel of Mark. And as I read and um, fixed my eyes on who Jesus is, that is when God captured my heart and helped me see Jesus was and so I would like to pose that challenge to you I'm not asking you to come to anything I'm not asking you to do anything the only thing I'm challenging you to do is to read the gospel of Mark read the gospel of Luke Matthew read about Jesus that's why I love Hebrews the goal of Hebrews is to help us see why Jesus is better every Sunday Jesus is going to be exalted And if you're looking for some practical application, that's all you need for Jesus to be magnified in your heart and in your life. He is better and He is superior. And so dive deep into that knowledge and expect it to change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. As we sing, may you continue to magnify Jesus in all of our hearts. In His name we pray. Amen.